Well, hey, glad you're here. We uh, talked a little bit about yesterday, should we cancel service, and um, decided to plow ahead, and man, I'm so glad we did, because a lot of you showed up today, so thank you for being here through the cold temperatures. Uh, we are um, planning to try and keep things to just an hour to get everybody out before the stuff's coming in on the map, so um, we plan to be uh, getting everybody to pick up the kids and get rolling by 11.30, get home safe and sound in the home. But let's break bread in the Word with a heart that's attentive to Him before we do anything else. Agreed? You know, our prayer in this season, and I would encourage you to pray this very specifically, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Just such a beautiful declaration of God's Word. The New Living Translation is what... Um, where we find the specific prayer. But I just want to say to you today that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And I just want to say over our children, God is working in our children, giving them the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I want to say over our family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Over all of our family, God is working in our family members, giving them the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So, Father, we just invite you to do a deep work within our desires today. There are a lot of things uh, swirling around in a lot of directions in all of our lives, circumstances and situations that sometimes can take us down a pathway of being so distracted from a place of rest and a place of peace. Lord, we acknowledge we are at our very best the way you intended us to be, the way you designed us to be when we enter into a state of rest. So help us, Father, to stay at a place of peace as we walk before you, as we explore your word. We look into not only the principles of your word, but the practices of our lives that substantiate those principles in a profound, significant, and substantial way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So a lot of our emphasis in this beginning uh, of the year is to focus in on what that looks like congregationally as a family. So we're talking just different things that we're trying to initiate and integrate. Um, and so you're aware, two weeks from today, uh, that is the 28th, I believe, but two Sundays from today, we are going to have a family meal. And I would encourage you to start making plans just to remain um, that day. <clears throat> we're going to eat um, imported Italian food. That's pizza. Uh, if it's going to be a family meal. It's not about the food. It's about the family. Have you learned that? And so what we're trying to do is put into practice maybe just some simple efforts to demonstrate and model what it means for us to explore and experience the revelation of the table together as a family. So we were planning, and some of you have heard me talking about this. I've been sharing with some of our leaders. We were planning to have the room full of tables like we do for our appreciation night. But then we realized uh, today, you know, we're much less attended because of the weather. 
But when we did a count on numbers, there's no way we could get everybody who's showing up on Sundays around tables for the service that morning. So it's going to be the revelation of the table without the actual practical tables in place. But at the conclusion of service, we may grab pizza, circle chairs, whatever you want to do. Uh, talking about maybe getting the kids on picnic blankets or something. I don't know. I, I don't know any details. All I know is we're going to have some pizza that day. Personally, I enjoy pizza. Dairy. That's dairy, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> I will enjoy some pizza. Uh, so that's going to be uh, a family meal together around the table. And then on February the 4th is this worship night. And we've got people coming in from various parts of the state of Oklahoma. There's been this worship night happening around the state all this last year. And we now are the central location where all those places are going to come together on that Sunday night, February 4th. So again, we want to go deeper. God's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So let's gather with other believers, other churches that are all going to converge here in Oklahoma City right here in this space. And then the next month in March... It just keeps on uh, as we're pursuing and exploring. But Stephen Esther Uppel will be in from England again with us March 1st and 2nd for Fuel the Fire. Uh, last year we had, the last two years, we had more people register online than we have attend on a Sunday morning because of everyone who comes. So it's a big weekend and I, it just, the Lord really does awaken something in our hearts. Steve carries something, Stephen Esther both carry something very profound internationally. And so to have them in each year. So just have those things in mind, but I'm asking you to pray as you're declaring these specific words over all of our hearts. God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. How many believe in the power of prayer? I really believe it. That's why I want to just take a little bit of time to encourage everybody. Let's devote ourselves to really pressing in and just giving ourselves to the pursuit of prayer together in unity over the course of uh, of these next coming months, particularly the 40-day focus with what you're fasting, praying. Um, you know, we're, we're focusing not just on the principles, but on the practices. So last week I introduced this, and my jar has been sitting in my uh, office, so it has become quite clear. Um, all the dirt has completely settled. Uh, how many of you have a jar of dirty water in your house now. Can I just see? I encourage all of you to do it, okay? I've heard, I've heard some people telling some stories. Uh, one of the funniest, by the way, your body came from dirt. And when you enter into a state of rest, then your mind becomes clear and you're more aligned to becoming who God's designed you to become. That's the whole reminder of this. Let it settle. You're going to have to take some time with the things we're talking about as a church family. Sermons alone are not enough. Listen carefully, because you and I live in a day uh, of a Western world society that tries to market to us the idea that if you can just get this sermon, man, your life will be changed and get everybody here so they can hear a great sermon. And I just want to say, somebody who's preaching a sermon needs to stand up and say, sermons aren't enough. You need to know that. Like the disillusionment that's happening within society today is because of this marginalized surface level approach of marketing that's happening to try and grow our churches. I'm just telling you, we are more committed to church health than we are church growth in what God is calling us to do as a church family. So you need to know that. The principles are vitally important. When we gather together, we're always going to have the Word of God open. We're always going to be looking to what God has to say in His Word. 
but it's the practices of the principles that really begin to transform our lives. If you don't implement the practices, you're going to live in this shallow spiritual disposition. So last week we talked about what it takes not just to try to be outrageously loving people, but to train to be outrageously loving people. And part of that is Sabbath. We're learning what Sabbath really looks like. Uh, we had some interaction with our team this week. It's kind of interesting hearing the frustration that can happen when you're trying to do something. I said last week we've had some spirited conversation uh, about Sabbath in our house. That's just code for Tracy and I have had flat out disagreements and frustrations and like, we are going to be at rest. <laughs> you know, has anybody ever been there before? And so like Gabriel, uh, our drummer Gabriel, he told me this morning, <laughs> he's got a jar of dirty water at his house and it's really settled and he said his kids keep coming in there and he's sitting there and they'll like pick up his jar and they'll say what was this again he's like that's my jar. oh you know he's like the thing they're doing in the jar is happening in his heart like that's the whole point and so it's just a reminder just relax calm rest learn to get in a place of rest where you find tranquility before the lord you just you just rest read scripture spend time in him it's a place of solitude. It's a beautiful place that is so rare in the world in which you and I live. It's why it's so important that we practice this very thing that Jesus demonstrated and modeled so beautifully in his life. So not just trying to be outrageously loving people, training to be outrageously loving people, finding that place of Sabbath, whatever that looks like for you. It's different for everyone. We'll be talking more about that. I know traditionally Sabbath begins sundown Friday, uh, you know, starts with a celebration, ends with a celebration sundown Saturday. Uh, we do our sundown Saturday uh, because we want worship gathering together to be a part of that. I know we're breaking rules to do that, but the bottom line is do something. You know, give yourself a few hours, start somewhere, and, um, and don't, don't require it to be some amazing, awesome, phenomenal just, just start. Give God something to work with. How many know God will do more with a little bit we'll give him if we'll just try to cooperate, even if we don't get it when we first get going? You know, you start somewhere, and then the Lord begins to shape that, and that's just part of the practice. So looking at these things, what we're trying to do is learn to be outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit, look at that, to God's desires. <laughs> That's the key. We want to not just try to be great, try to be you know, righteous. We want to just consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. It's a beautiful expression of the five most central ideas that we hold dear, almost like in a sacred space. Uh, but first and foremost, we want to be outrageously loving people. So that was practicing Sabbath, trying that, uh, anonymous act of service. Those are the two practices that come with that first principle. So those are the five principles. If you have those to pop up for us, um, we see what the principles are. We want to be awake and engaged this year. Not just awake to the reality of truth, but engaged in the practices. So those are the principles, and here are the practices. And uh, you see Sabbath and service is the first one. Today we're going to talk about fasting and scripture, which are the practices of passionately pursuing the Lord. So we don't want to just try to be outrageously loving people. We want to what? 
Train. Everybody say train. 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 It's an important word for us. We want to train to be outrageously loving people. We don't want to just try to passionately pursue the Lord. We want to train to passionately pursue the Lord. So we want to talk about those practices today uh, in regard to passionately pursuing the Lord. But understand, and, and you need to get this, I'm trying to just walk this out I'm trying to be at rest myself. You know, I've been talking about this now for many months. As I'm standing up here, when I start feeling rushed, I just stop and just kind of look at you, and you just look at me, and, and we're just waiting on the Lord. It's a beautiful thing just to allow Him to lead the way. And we're all learning what that means more and more. But, but you need to get this because the practices, as important as they are and everything that we're going to be talking about, implementing practices, the practices themselves are not the goal. The practices are not the goal. The practices just kind of become like train tracks. And those are the avenue through which we grow deeper in a place of relationship with God. That's the goal, to know Him more intimately. So the practices of passionately pursuing involves fasting and Scripture. So I want you to take out your Bibles. We're trying to practice bringing our Bibles. I know we're in a digital world, but part of all of this is uh, learning to shake free from the digital chaos that invades our lives. And so it's just a great practice to bring your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at two texts of Scripture today. Everybody doing okay? You're looking good. It's a great day to cuddle, great day to hug. For me, that's really wonderful. For other people that don't necessarily like hugs, I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. Lord, as we read your word, would you help us not just to read through some verses to get to a point that we're trying to make? May we understand there's depth of treasure that's discovered in your word and in the public reading of your word together as we gather we recognize that practice throughout the ages in the gathering of your people and the importance of what that practice really means so uh, awaken us Lord to the reality of your word even as we read together in these types of gatherings and in our small group gatherings Lord help us to learn to treasure what you're desiring to accomplish within us even through the reading of Scripture in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. This is such a countercultural concept. Our world does not understand this. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Did you know you have a cross? You have a cross to bear. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what will a man give in return for his soul? This is the thing that we have to understand as we learn to deny the senses of the body 
we actually lean in to the awakening of the senses of the spirit as we learn to deny the appetites of the body we actually lean in to the awakening of the appetite of the spirit I'm hungry for something more than the physical things that I can accumulate or acquire or uh, digest if it comes to food I'm hungry for something deeper than that and so fasting is this beautiful reality where you are actually depriving the stomach of something you start to long for it you like it you enjoy it um, I was standing back here a while ago we were kind of joking lyric was eating a donut and I said do you know what kind of donut that is because I'm, I'm fasting one of the things I'm fasting is sugar and so uh, all you heathens eating those donuts in front of me and, uh, and, and Lyric's not a heathen, she's an angel, but she's, she's still eating a donut. And, and I said, you know what kind of donut that is? That's my favorite kind of donut. I mean, isn't that the way it goes when you're going to fast and all of a sudden somebody shows up right in front of you with your... Because I said, that's an old-fashioned donut that has cinnamon on it. And so I was explaining the whole thing, and then I just said, and I'm fasting sugar, so I can't eat it, but you enjoy it which she didn't at all because then I had you know made her feel that way uh, on purpose and it made me feel really good but actually uh, what what the reality is when you want something that you're depriving yourself of I have a suggestion for you because I used to like resist it and uh, I don't want I actually literally did lean over to her donut when I was explaining it. I was imagining it. I was thinking about what it would be like to bite into that soft donut with the crunchy outside. and the. I mean, I was thinking about what that would taste like as I'm leaning in looking at her donut, and I, and I, and I am admitting it. This is the thing, guys. We've got to stop playing games as the church and stop pretending. Let's be honest. I want it. I just want something deeper more. So I lean into the times when I'm fasting, whatever it is that I'm fasting. Sometimes it's just fasting food. I, I do a Wednesday uh, fast where I don't eat food. I get up in the morning and just spend time in the Word. In the afternoon, I spend time in the Word, and, and I get hungry, and I think, oh, I wish I could eat right now. I don't try to, I'm going to pretend like I don't want to eat right now. No, I actually say, I would love to have this uh, you know, maybe I should go into a, my favorite restaurant sometime and just smell the restaurant and walk out. Uh, you know, I want that. But do you understand what I'm saying? I want something deeper even more. Therefore, I won't explore that thing right now. See, you need to understand this. This would be worth writing down. It won't show up in your notes. It's something we'll talk about over the course of months ahead. But you, uh, you are hijacked by your greatest desires. And you are actually sustained when you give yourself to your deepest desires. And those are not the same. Your greatest desire is the strongest desire that you're giving yourself to right now. It could be revenge. I mean, your greatest desire could be the pursuit of success. It could proceed, you know, whatever your greatest desire is. But what happens is we overlook our deepest desire. Your deepest desire is actually not revenge. Your deepest desire is to know God. Your deepest desire is to experience community with God's people. Your deepest desire is to become everything God's, God's designed you to become. God's working in you right now, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him in this deep, deep place. 
So your greatest desires have to be sacrificed in the pursuit of your deepest desires as we learn to walk this out. Turn to John chapter 12. Jesus reiterates this same uh, idea in a little bit different way. It's great perspective. John 12, verses 24 and 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Will you say this next phrase with me out loud? But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Let's say it again. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That is hugely important. If it dies, it bears much fruit. He goes on and says, he who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. So there's this perspective of life that we're evaluating. There's life here that really is shaped by our uh, greatest desire, but then there's an eternal life, that which values more than this world, and that speaks of our deepest desire. But that phrase, if it dies, it bears much fruit. There is no question of if the seed has life to be able to bear fruit. The only question is, will the seed die? That's the only question. I want to just say, in the same vein of what Jesus is revealing here, if you are willing to die, you will experience a level of fruitfulness in the kingdom of God and in your life that you cannot even begin to imagine. The question is not, do you have life within you? The question is, will you die so that life can break forth and begin to express God's kingdom in your life? Choosing everything to pursue in this world is just futility. You've you got to get this because in a fallen world, in a fallen world, we all live in a fallen world, Everybody in this room, everybody online, we all contend in a fallen world with chronically dissatisfied desire. You contend with it. It's just the nature of living in, in the fallen world with the pursuit of that which is eternal. The Bible says God put eternity in your heart. You're going to live your life with a, a sense of chronically dissatisfied desire in this world. It's just the nature of living in the fallen world. Thomas Aquinas was asked, what would it take to satisfy human desire? His answer was one word, everything. It was a great response. And, and recognizing this, chasing everything is futility. Would you agree? No matter what you achieve, no matter what you acquire, there's always something more that you need to achieve or acquire to get everything. And we just live in this place of lacking understanding that embracing healthy restraint is actually the key that unlocks a fulfilling life. Embracing healthy restraint maritally. Embracing healthy restraint physically. We call it uh, you know, not just eating everything you want all the time. It's dieting. It's just using good sense about the way you're living your life. Embracing healthy restraint financially. Embracing healthy restraint is always the key that unlocks a fulfilling life. This is why it says, if you die, you will find life. If you die, there will be great fruitfulness that will be at hand. So this is why fasting and prayer and getting into the Word of God is so important. 
taking time to embrace this healthy sense of restraint. Times when I'm just going to choose not to feed myself in the appetites of this world, my stomach, that element. I'm going to go something deeper. I'm going to spend time not eating food and actually taking time to read God's Word in a way that is awakening a deeper desire that exists within me that I can perpetuate into the lives of those around me. That's why this concept is so important. I want to encourage you this week, find a jar and put some dirty water in it and just put it in your house somewhere. And every time you start feeling like you're getting spun up, Oh, just watching that start to spin up hurts my heart because it's, I've been you know, really happy to see it settled. Somebody looked at how clear it was and said, you should drink it. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're a sinner. <laughs> but look, just a little bit like somebody, somebody pulls in front of me in, in traffic and, and all of a sudden I get a little spun up. No longer clear. Somebody says something to me frustrates me, disappoints me, I didn't get my way, somebody legitimately does me wrong, I get spun up. All of a sudden, the clarity is gone. The Bible says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. I think it's 1 Peter 4, verse 7. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Don't allow yourself just to get spun up. And here's the thing. This is so important. This is why Sabbath, solitude, getting into place, fasting, praying, just listening to the Lord. It's why it's all so key. Because solitude is how we go to war. Not only with the busy world around us, but with the busy soul that exists within us. A place of solitude, a place where we're with the Lord, a, pra- a place where we're turning off all of the sources and we're just listening to what the Lord is desiring to reveal. And so recognize this. Peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Have you learned that? Peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Peace comes from the presence of God. You can be without problems and still not have peace, still be contending with anxiety. And what you need is a good sermon on how to conquer anxiety. And if you hear a good sermon on how to conquer anxiety, then you'll never have anxiety again for the rest of your life. It's not exactly how it works, is it? Again, we've presented sermons as if they're the solution, but they're the principle that unlocks the practice for you then to go and walk in the perfect peace of God. But if you're not taking time to rehearse the principles by practicing his presence around that truth, then you're going to be spun up and upset and anxious. And in fact, you're going to hear, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And then you're going to be really anxious about how anxious you've been. Do you understand? That's actually kind of the point. Because then you're able to look at that and say, here's my life, here's God's word. My life needs to line up and become more like God's Word. That's what we call repentance. And the Bible says repentance brings refreshing. How many of you want to go deeper? I'm so glad you're here, but I just need you to know attending church is not enough. It's just not. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the body of Christ. But the problem is... We kind of stop there and convince people you got to get here because we're trying to grow big churches. And the reality is you can't go to church. We gather as the church so you go be churched. And we need to learn to walk in his presence in a way that actually is our way of life as we walk out the reality of the gospel because we not only embrace the principles, but we also put into practice those practices.
So two principles so far, two weeks, four practices, and I want to encourage you to begin looking at the, the other practice for last week, Outrageously Loving, by the way, is uh, anonymous service. So, um, you know, if you go through a course of a week and you've not done something to bless somebody, uh, just anonymously serve them. It doesn't have to be any big thing. Um, you know, a, a lady leaves her shopping cart in the, in the parking lot, or she's in the parking lot, and you just walk over. She doesn't know who you are. This happened with us on our trip coming home yesterday, and it's freezing cold outside, and I just went over, and I just grabbed her cart, and I said, can I take this, pretending like I wanted it? But I was just taking it in uh, on her behalf. Just an anonymous act of service that's now not anonymous, and now I've lost my blessing. Thank you. Peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Peace comes from the presence of God. And when we learn to practice peace, we learn to practice his presence. And everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. I'm going to ask if our worship team will come. Uh, this week's practices involve a deeper interaction with God and his word, with fasting and prayer. My question to you is simply, what does this look like for you? Do you understand your commission this week? Raise your hand if you understand your commission. Spend time in fasting and prayer in the Word. Raise your hand if you understand your commission. I'm asking you for commitment and devotion to actually put this practice into motion. And um, I read something yesterday that I just thought was hugely significant. And I just thought it would be good in this moment kind of a conclusion uh, for us to, to reflect on this just a bit. And it's... It's, uh, it's really sincere where I'm coming from because when I read it, I just thought, again, just the timing of when I stumble onto things sometimes is just so uh, purposeful from the Lord. But, you know, this was a holiday weekend. And Martin Luther King Jr. Day is usually around his birthday, not always on it, but tomorrow happens to be uh, his birth date. And... I just realized that when I was, uh, you know, kind of going through the course of the week, thinking about all that he stood for, he really was a man who was absolutely devoted to Christ. We need to really understand that. Like his heart to serve Jesus was why he did all of the outstanding things that he did in the pursuit of something beyond his own life that actually cost him his own life, this sacrificial disposition. And I read this, I just want to read it to you. January the 27th, 1956. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sitting in his kitchen table in the middle of the night. He's discouraged and he's come to a place where he's about to walk away from his destiny. He's later explaining this in a sermon. Uh, the account of this moment just like this. It was early in the civil rights movement. Dr. King had not yet uh, been widely known, but he'd been invited to Montgomery, Alabama to lead a bus boycott following Rosa Parks' courageous act of refusing to sit in the colored section of the bus. Just think with me for a moment, the reality of where we've come from as a nation and the people that had to pay a price to help us get a greater understanding of God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our heavenly Father, all humanity. As the boycott began or dragged on, the people were increasingly growing discouraged and they began to turn against their leader. With the rising tide of death threats, Dr. King was fearing not only for his own life, but for his wife and his daughter. 
The day before this occurred, Dr. King had been arrested and jailed for driving 30 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone. That morning he was released, but he came home to another round of threatening phone calls. That night he couldn't fall asleep, so he got out of bed, he made a pot of coffee and he sat down in his kitchen and he began to pray to God in the quiet. His account of this night, this is what he said. I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I prayed a prayer out loud that night, and I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right, but I must confess that I'm weak. I'm faltering. I'm beginning to lose my courage. And he explained, it seemed at that moment, he could hear the inner voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. And the reason I bring all this up is because the book I was reading was actually referencing the idea of learning to be at rest and learning to be at peace even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. What if he had had a smartphone? What if he sat down with his cup of coffee and just disappeared into scrolling through a bunch of social media or just decided to binge watch a new series? because the pressure was just too great. This is what we typically do in our society. The question is asked in the book that I was reading, would he ever have heard God's voice in the quiet and draw from God's strength to continue to fight? Or would he have been sucked into the black hole of the digital age? What if the greatest threat to our Christian faith isn't secularism, but actually distraction? Let's stand. What if the greatest threat that really struck me. What if the greatest threat to our Christian faith isn't secularism but distraction? I want to encourage you. Get yourself a jar. Fill it with dirty water and let it just settle in your house. Be reminded over and over the importance of finding that place of tranquility, the place of rest where you can practice God's presence. Learn to become who he's called you to become. Just in light of um, time and, and schedule, weather, that sort of thing, we're going to just conclude here. But I want to ask, would you just surrender to a, a greater space of solitude? Let's just lift our hands before the Lord our God. Lord, take us deeper. Help us to explore what it means to actually walk in application of those principles by implementing the practices that substantiate those principles and actually equip and empower the next generation to understand how to walk out this truth. It becomes the legacy of our lives. I know you're helping us, Lord, to grow in this. I pray that you continue to do so. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to ask if Kylie will go ahead and come. And I just say thank you again for, um, for being here this morning. Thank you for those of you who joined us, our Destiny Online family. We really are hungry for more of what God wants in this next season. Agreed? So let's keep pressing in, going deeper. Thank you guys so much. I love our Destiny family.